Hello, Connor Pope here. The In The News team is taking a break over Christmas, so we're revisiting some of our favourite episodes from the last few months. In this one, we look at how adults are taking all the fun out of children's sport. The list of reasons why team sports are a great activity for children to be involved in goes on and on. They offer a chance to make new friends and learn how to be part of a team, while also improving fitness. And of course, they're lots of fun. Or at least they're supposed to be. But in many clubs and on many teams across the country, coaches are leaving the supposedly less able children on the sidelines. And why? Because they want to win at all costs. But everybody wants to win. The children want to win ideally too. Nobody sets out wanting to lose. But sometimes it's about looking and seeing, well, what matters more? That, the, that we protect, our, protect children or we win, win the match or we win the, win the cup. In a recent article for the Irish Times, journalist Jen Hogan highlighted this issue and the response she got from parents was overwhelming. Many shared stories of their children consistently being kept on the sidelines, overlooked at every single game. Parents spoke to me about taking their children out of teams for their own protection. So instead of what sport should be about, instead of the whole idea of inclusion, making friends, having fun, improving, learning a new skill, they had to take their children out of the sport to, to stop um, their confidence being damaged even further. Some might argue that it's just a valuable life lesson learned at an admittedly young age, which prepares kids for the bumpy road ahead. But... What kind of harm might it actually do to a child if they're just never picked to play? And why is winning so important to these coaches when the stakes are so incredibly low? I'm Connor Pope and this is In The News from The Irish Times. Today, what happens when the fun is taken out of children's sports? Jen, you write a lot about parenting issues for the Irish Times and you had a piece recently which asked a question that I think struck a chord with readers. And that question was, what happens when team sports stop being fun? I mean, what happens when they end up chipping away at a child's confidence? And as part of that piece, you spoke to parents whose children had very bad experiences on the sidelines. What kind of stories did those parents share with you? Yeah, um, I mean, the piece got a big reaction, Connor. And I suppose even since I wrote the story, there's been a lot more stories have come in from other parents too. And this common theme of children turning up for training or trying their best, but always being the child who's left on the sideline, always being the child who's left out of the match. Uh, one particular mom described how her son had always turned up for training and yet she didn't um, was always there religiously and yet he didn't manage to get picked during a hurling final and became so distressed that he, he was vomiting because he was dreading going into school the next day. Mm. He got a medal because everybody who was there got a medal, but he never got to play. And others talking about um, occasions where they had tried to gently address it with coaches, but it hadn't hadn't been well received. This whole idea of turning up, wanting to be part of the team, but I suppose confidence and self-esteem being destroyed because they were constantly left out, constantly the sub, um, constantly replaced. I think one of the things that was really interesting and, and since the piece went out was that there were parents got in touch with me and said that this is a kind of particularly a, a, an issue for parents who have um, or children who have additional needs of any kind. So a lot of children yeah. say with dyspraxia might get involved in sports because it would help with their coordination um, or in theory it would help with their coordination if they got the opportunity to play. And you know children with, with any kind of additional needs often have lower self-esteem. They're often perhaps the child um, who might be on the periphery in sporting situations because because their coordination might not be as strong. And, and those opportunities were being taken from children. They couldn't get involved in the team. Their parents were worried 
read about their confidence being chipped away at even more. Parents spoke to me about taking their children out of teams for their own protection. So instead of what sport should be about, instead of the whole idea of inclusion, making friends, having fun, improving, learning a new skill, they had to take their children out of the sport for their own protection to to stop um, their confidence being damaged even further. It's a Sunday morning near Manchester and Bowdoin Rugby Club are making the most of their coach for the day. Leicester Tigers and England star, Toby Flood. It reminded me of how much fun it was when I was this age. You know, they, all they want to do is play and, and just, just have a good time. And it's a real sort of refresh, really. It's a real freshener for me and sort of makes me feel really excited to sort of come down here and watch them charge around. And, and, and it's just like, it's just the best thing in the world. Now, it seems bizarre to me that a coach of an under-12 team or an under-10 team or whatever would put winning over the welfare of children, particularly because many of the coaches, I'd imagine, would be parents as well. What do you think motivates a coach to do that? I do think, in fairness, I think parents do have a little bit of a role to play here. I mean, anyone who's ever been on the sidelines and anybody who's ever witnessed a, a young children's match, it's quite incredible sometimes to, to see some of the stuff sh- shouted at players, shouted at co- the coach, shouted at the ref. I think parents are also, I suppose they're pushing for the win too or cel- maybe over-celebrating the win. It is obviously ultimately down to the coach, the responsibility of who gets to play and um, making sure that everybody gets their turn on the team. I don't know. I don't know whether it's that they feel parental pressure or that they they want to do what's best for the team, or perhaps they're just putting adult ideals onto children's situation. Mm. You know, every we all like have our teams that we support, and we all love to see our team doing well. And perhaps they're getting caught up in that moment. But we're dealing with children here, and that's the reality of it. And the most important thing in sport is that children are having fun, and that their well being is protected, and that their um, confidence is protected, and that that they're enjoying themselves, not that they're feeling worse about themselves because of their participation in the sport. I can only presume that it comes down to that, I suppose, that old fashioned desire that they want to win. But everybody wants to win. That's the thing. Everybody wants to win. The children want to win, ideally, too. Nobody sets out wanting to lose. But sometimes it's about looking and seeing, well, what matters more that that we protect protect children or we win win the match or we win the the cup, whatever the situation is. But isn't there an argument to be made that sport is about winning and losing? And instilling that winning mentality into a team and into the people on that team is actually a good thing. I mean, it's. I think it's already there, Connor. I think that, like I said, children, adults, everybody ideally wants to win. You know, none of us set out to, to fail. None of us are, or to to not um, do our best. But I suppose it's what is winning and what is what is success. That's really what what the measure of it needs to be. Um, winning the match in theory is great. Yes, that's that's brilliant. But but at what cost? That's what you really have mm. to look at. At what cost? At the cost of excluding children, at the cost of making people feel worse um, than they already feel, at the cost of your team dropping, at the cost of losing numbers. And that's really what it comes back down to. Are you really winning if you won the match, but you lost half your team because the children quit the or because the parents took them out of the sport is that is that what success looks like is that what winning looks like every child wants every coach should want every child to do their best and it should be about giving every child that opportunity and if you're not giving children the opportunity to play then they don't have the opportunity to improve and you know be part of that team and do their best and help the team win sometimes and lose other times and it's as important to lose graciously as it is to Mm. win you know modestly and to and I mean, rather than just taking this whole um, we must win and this, I, I've heard parents, I've heard it come from parents of ours shouting on the side, get into him, killer. This sort of 
stuff a 10 year old on the sideline and you're thinking, okay, someone's lost the plot here now. Can we remember what it's about? And I think, yes, there is competitive sports and there is a place for competition in sports and it is healthy and it is important. But there are there's a not at any cost, not at any cost and not at the cost of, as I said, losing losing some of your squad or children ending up being excluded from the team. Good practice, team. Okay, it's time for the easiest part of any coach's job, the cuts. Now, while I wasn't able to cut everyone I wanted to, I have cut a lot of you. Wendell is cut. Rudy is cut. Janie, you're gone. Steven, I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. Congratulations. The rest of you made the team. (sighs) Except you, you and you. Now, speaking personally for a second, I was pretty bad at hurling at Gaelic football as a child. And I was frequently the child found languishing on the sidelines as the better players were sent on. I'm not sure it did me any great or lasting harm, but clearly it does do some children harm. What kind of harm are we talking about? I mean, we know what the benefits of sport are. We know that. We know the, the long lasting benefits, the physical and mental health benefits. And if you if you encourage or discourage a child from being involved in sports because they feel worse about themselves, because but they're missing out on that. They're missing out on the long term benefits because they they're they may pull away from sport altogether and not get involved in it again at a later life. You're damaging self-confidence, obviously, which is the huge part of it by by not including them. So um, some children might shrug it off, perhaps if they excel elsewhere or perhaps they have another sport that they they feel involved in. Um, but for others, it might be their only thing. It might be the only thing they have going on in their life. It might be their opportunity to make friends. Again, if you push, if they move away from that, you, you're damaging opportunities for social interactions. And most kids, when they're very young, get involved in sport because they want to be with their friends. They want to play with their friends mm. effectively. So if you push them away from that, you're taking away those social opportunities too. You're taking away the mental he- the opportunities for he- mental health benefits. And we are in the middle of an obesity crisis. Like we're in the middle of an obesity. You know, we have a huge issue here and it's more complex than just putting it down to eat less, move more like some people might, might suggest. It, it's much more complex than that. But m- getting our kids active is really important. It's a really important part of addressing the issues that we have with obesity and the mental health challenges that we have now, particularly after the pandemic and after the restrictions mm-hmm. where children kind of retreated into themselves a little bit and weren't as involved in sports before. And, and that's something I would hear a lot from parents that getting children back out and back involved in the activities that they were involved in before was actually quite challenging because they got so used to being at home with the Xbox or with the PlayStation or or just on their tablet or just within their own house that if they go along to a sport and parents want to get them involved for all these reasons including the reasons as I said with children particularly with additional needs who might that extra bit of help with their coordination if we take that away from them then there's going to be huge long-term consequences so it is really important to address it at a young age and hopefully get children get as many people involved and keep them involved for as long as possible so that they get those lifelong benefits. Now, do you think we're more aware of this problem of kids being excluded and left on the sidelines now than we were maybe when I was a child? Or do you think it's actually more of a problem today than it might have been in times past? I think we're perhaps a bit more aware of it, but I still think inclusion is a buzzword. I still think it's a word that we hear people use a lot. But, you know, as long as their kids OK, they're not necessarily looking at the bigger picture. Like I, really to, to address this, we need kind of parents looking out for all children, not just their own, looking out for the other child who's left on the sidelines and, and not not taking the, well, I'm grand, Jack, pull up the ladder. You know, it's all fine. It, it, it's it needs to be, I suppose, looked at on a wider scale. We are aware of it and we're talking about it, but there is still the Oh, snowflakes, get over it. You know, this is, you know, the current generation need to toughen Mm. up. It didn't do me any harm.
And like you said there, Connor, you don't feel it did you any harm, but it does do some children harm and it does yeah, it does absolutely. some people harm. And that's, again, that whole not having such an insular view about things and not having, not you, Connor, I mean, generally all, all of us, we need to have that whole thing of not just looking at how did it affect me, looking at how it affects others and being aware. When we hear, when we hear the stories, we need to listen. We need to know and hear what people are saying. Jen, could it be argued that being left on the sidelines actually builds resilience and prepares a child for the inevitable ups and downs that life brings? Yeah, I, I'm, you know, like like you said, life, life's not a, it's not a bed of roses and everything isn't perfect. And mum and dad can't always jump in and protect children. And we know that. But I think the children are resilient line was the most overused line of the pandemic in mm. particular. You know, it was that excuse to, to do things because children are resilient. And to, to argue that it builds resilience, I'd argue the exact opposite. You know, to build resilience, you're you're equipping children with the correct supports. You're helping them to, to you're to helping to protect their self-esteem. You're letting them know there are people there to help them through certain situations that they can cope with the downs that life might throw at them and that they can cope with the reality of it but we are also very different people as adults to what we are as children you know when we will have emotional maturity and we'll have you know time and age on our side and other life experiences to knock a kid when they're down isn't building their resilience Mm. it's doing the exact opposite to have a child feel to have low levels of self-worth and low levels of self-esteem and believe they can't do something that's not building resilience that's doing the exact opposite so actually letting a child feel valued and feel that being part of the team is important and they are part of the team and they are one of the one of the teammates and they do make a valuable contribution to the team that's building resilience and that'll help them deal with with things further down the road and when they lose lose graciously and when they when they win you know celebrate and and be proud of the win but you know accept that it's it's a win and that's what it is it's not the be all and end all of things so no I don't think it builds resilience I think it does the exact opposite I think yeah it's all about fostering a bit of self-esteem and self-worth because you know the world is tough and it'll knock them down plenty of times um, later in life so maybe have them feeling a sense of of, uh, pride in themselves and a decent sense of self-esteem and self-worth in the way But I guess one of the things that I'd be thinking here is it it doesn't just limit itself to the sidelines because I mean kids aren't stupid kids know what's going on in the world and if a kid understands that they're just being put on for the last five minutes because they want to be given a chance. It's tokenism. So I suppose that the whole building of a child's self-esteem when it comes to sport has to take place in the training grounds as well as on the sidelines. Would that be right? Absolutely. It absolutely does all the way through. You know, I mean, even and if I take it back to my own personal situation, I have like seven children of all different abilities and all different interests. And I watch and some of them enjoy sports. Some of them are not so keen and you're watching. But I know the one thing that they all thrive on and they all did thrive on when they were younger was how, was somebody saying, well done, you did a good job. Mm-hmm. Up there, fair play to you. Good or good at good. You're doing it. You're doing that great or um, great training session. Any kind of positive comment, really, it does help them. It does build them up. It also builds their interest in it too. But it needs to happen in training and on the pitch. And that's Shane Smith within the article actually argued that every child should have equal time on the pitch. Now that caused yeah. a little bit of controversy. The whole idea of equal time. But that's what we're going to have to do because kids aren't stupid, as you said. And putting them on for five minutes, they know this tokenism isn't going to work for them. And it's actually perhaps potentially more damaging if anything else so here we have to do it so we'll chuck you on 
it also, as I said, going back to the whole idea of if they're involved, if they get the opportunity to play, they get the opportunity to improve. So it benefits everybody. It benefits the child. It benefits the team. But it needs to go back to training. It needs to happen on the pitch. And it also needs to, like, I suppose, coaches need to be aware as well of children. And children can be cruel to each other. They can be unkind mm-hmm. to each other. And if that's not fostered at, on the training ground and on the pitch, then it's likely to take, you're likely to have teammates having a go at each other too. And there's, you know, it's all supposed to be about being a team, working together and building friendships and support. Now, you you focused a lot in your article about the coaches and the responsibility that coaches have when it comes to the welfare of children and building their self-esteem. But like like you, I suspect, Jen, I've stood on the sideline while my own children have been playing sports and I've watched slack-jawed in amazement as some of the parents on the sidelines are screaming dogs abuse at the referees, shouting at their children. So don't parents put a lot of pressure on their children to perform in these relatively insignificant sporting encounters. And I wonder what drives parents to do that. I mean, are are they trying to relive their lost youth and be competitive or are they trying to do the best for their children? I think there's I think there's a bit of everything in there, Connor. And yes, I have absolutely watched it, absolutely heard it and even had chats over the over the many years with parents on the sideline and being completely shocked at some of those comments that are coming out or some of the expectations of children um, on the sideline and thinking that some of the behaviour was appropriate. I mean, we've seen we've seen the issues with with referees getting dogs abuse and physical abuse as well in in recent Mm. months. And so it it really does. There's a lot of parents need to really have a serious word with themselves about the sort of expectations they have of children. Even if you have, even if you have an incredibly talented young footballer or hurler um, or rugby player, whoever, whoever your child plays as a team sport, that doesn't give any, any um, excuse to anybody to turn around and shout any kind of abuse at or, or excess, not even because it's not encouragement. A lot of the time it's really, it's nearly negative encouragement where they're criticising maybe children for not catching the ball. I've seen that happen too and that's the sort of thing. Now I'm the, yeah, I am no, that absolutely. man on the sideline who will actually challenge another parent who shouts at a child who's not yeah. theirs. I am that man more much to my children's horror. Um, but you know when you have somebody roar at someone and go, oh, catch it, Cottle, or catch it, Mick, or whatever, and and oh, you should have got that one. That, that's not helpful. That's not helpful to anyone. And, and parents do have a huge part to play here. And I'm not sure why they're so hugely competitive because ultimately this is a children's game. It is a children's sport. It's one thing wanting your child to do well, but they also need to know that you are proud of them irrespective. You know, yeah. you're proud of them for being part of it. And when you give that kind of a message that it must only, that excessive pressure and that huge pressure and that huge need to compete you're not giving a very healthy message to your child at all so I do think yeah maybe perhaps it is that dream and the wish that they had been good they had been a superstar too but it's kids football or it's kids rugby or it's kids hurling like a little bit of a little bit of a reality check is definitely needed on a lot of sidelines When you're going in for a tackle here, yeah. will you pull hard, your man? Pull hard, hard, hard. Let everybody know be a funeral out there. I want you to dig hard the blast and no relation. No relation. But I'll tell you one thing. This time next year, I'll be an eye opener for you. Because you'll be out playing under 13. And then you'll know all about it. Now, it is clear from the response to your article that this is a significant issue for a lot of parents. But I wonder how we go about ensuring that no child is left behind. I mean, how can this be policed if policed isn't too heavy a word here? I mean, is it up to parents to take on the coaches? And, I, and I've been in that position myself where I've been standing there fuming at a coach who hasn't put one of my children on. Or 
are there other ways that this can be addressed? I think, um, I mean, I, I spoke to Damien Byrne in the piece and he was talking about the FAI rules around the amount of time that a child is supposed to have on the pitch and they that varies depending on what age they are. Parents do have a role, but I think at a t- I think sometimes it might be better to address your concerns with a coach when emotions are not running quite so high because we do feel, you know, if you feel your child has been hard done by um, or you're feeling frustrated, you might not be as calm or as respectful in your approach. So I definitely think even as parents, we have to kind of maybe stay back, step back and go, OK, have we got a cool head on here. I think an open conversation with coaches is really important. I think being able to have that open conversation without coaches feeling um, defensive or without Mm. parents maybe feeling entitled. There's somewhere in the middle. That's That's the kind of conversation that needs to happen. We also do need to remember, and it has been addressed, it doesn't give it doesn't um, give um, the okay to coaches to do what they want but coaches are doing this they're giving up their free time it's a huge commitment a huge involvement my own husband is involved in coaching and I see how much time it takes there too so we do need to respect that and we do need to be aware of that in terms of our coaches and appreciate that you know we couldn't have the the sports and the games and the training sessions without coaches but that doesn't mean it's okay because sometimes if you have a coach taking an approach where they're excluding children it's more it does more harm than good so that's that's not a benefit to any team but I do think that open conversation needs to happen. Perhaps if clubs could give parents the opportunity to address it, maybe within, um, maybe set up a, a situation where parents can send in their emails or can, can address things in a club setting maybe even it might just feel a little less um, less difficult because I think it is hard for anybody to say it first of all you know that nobody wants to be that mum or that dad nobody yeah. wants to be the person who causes trouble but you do ha- there has to be a balance because if ultimately you think I'm going to take my son or my daughter out of this sport then nothing has been achieved really so I think an open conversation where both parties are open to hearing the other person's side and perhaps the club's facilitating that and giving the opportunity and maybe taking on board I'm really pleased to hear that was shared in so many different WhatsApp groups and shared mm. in different clubs. I, I would hope that that will maybe encourage coaches to step back and think, okay, does ever does any is there a chance any child in my club or on my team feels like that? Is there a chance any child feels excluded? Can I do something differently? And and as I said, give parents the opportunity to share what they feel and what they think too. And bear it all in mind, bear it all in mind, because like you said, there'll always be those parents there who will go, well, you know what, we have to win and this is life, suck it up, we got to get on with it. And it would be nice to think that the article could make a significant difference uh, in, in the lives of some young children. And just finally, I wonder, what's the parental responsibility here? I mean, do we as parents or do parents listening to this have a responsibility to help their children build resilience in the face of these knockbacks that are inevitably going to happen to them in, in the future? We do. We absolutely do. I mean, it's not it's not fair to pretend to your child that everything is always going to be rosy and mum and dad can sort everything because that's not the reality. But probably what is fair to a child is to say you'll do your best to try and, you know, um, address if there's a concern that you'll chat to an adult. It's not an equal situation. You can't put this back on a child to deal with the situation with a coach. You know, it's not a, it's not an equal fight if it's an adult or an equal battle or equal discussion, even if it's an adult and a child. So parents do have to step up to the plate here, too. And it's not about arguing that I want Johnny or I want Mary to start every single match and I want to make sure that, you know, he isn't the sub or she isn't the sub. It's about being realistic in your expectations, but it's also about having a situation that your child knows the adults in the room will be fair to him or her, that they'll get they'll get their opportunity, that they'll have their chance to play and that sometimes they won't start and sometimes they'll have to be the sub because everybody has to be the sub and everybody mm. doesn't get to start and this is the way of life. 
that's that's part of life and that's part of sport but at such a young age never getting to go on or always being the sub that's just destructive Jen Hogan thank you very much for talking to us pleasure that's it for today this episode of In the News was produced by Suzanne Brennan and Aideen Finnegan 